Dave Holmes. Good morning. Good morning to you, Matt McConkey. How What's are you? going on? You know, I'm just, I am, I am, I am just trying to recover from Eurovision 2021. Yes, I saw some tweets about it, and I'm, oh. I, of course, saw none of it. But how did it all go? Oh my God, it was absolutely riveting this year. It was fantastic. I'm telling you, uh, some of the best entries in years. Uh, I mean, it, it is such Eurovision. If you uh, if you don't watch, which you should, is such a great way to see what is happening in the universe in pop culture, and then to see it pass through the lens of, you know, uh, Serbian culture or you know Maltese culture or whatever. It's like who is who is the Maltese Lizzo? You're going to find out. And is it that, that, that the Maltese culture is trying to find their own Lizzo? Like they're, they're metabolizing American culture? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like they're, you know, you can kind of, here's the Bulgarian Billie Eilish, mm -hmm. um, you know, sitting on a chunk of a roof uh, surrounded by, you know, CGI lava uh, singing about her, her lost father. Um, it, it's just there's there's just a ton going on. It's it is absolutely fascinating. The way that they revealed the scores this year was was I mean it truly was it was the event you want it to be. The, uh, I did the one clip I did see. I'm sure you know about this. Is that uh -huh. it was in like an I don't know acceptance video or something. The the, the Italy group that won is talking to camera, super excited, and um, some Twitter user panned over to the side, and the guy from the group is just hoovering up cocaine from the I don't think that's product. true. I don't you think, don't that's, think true. that's true? I don't think that's true. Well, then because what was he no, doing? Because it's very quick. I don't know, you could be picking something up off the ground. It's just, it, it's just so quick, and there's, like, there's no utensil in either hand to aid with the hoovering. Uh, I just don't, I just don't think so. Oh, I thought he had a device in his hand. Maybe you're, I choose to believe that he was just blowing it out in celebration of their win. And what would that be? A performance-enhancing drug? What would that be? I personally, it's none of my business. Uh, it was. It was just. It was truly riveting. I had a, a few uh, Eurovision first timers who were skeptical at the beginning. By the end, they were on the edge of their seat. Uh, it, it was. It was great. I, I, and I. I hate that it comes and goes before summer even begins. It feels like something you should spend your summer working up to. Yeah, it, it feels like the perfect re-entry milestone moment for you. Yeah, it really was great. It really was was fantastic. How are you, Matt McConkey? Oh God, I'm fine. I don't know. Um, uh, uh, oh God, this is where I really flail, Dave. I have nothing to say. It's Monday morning okay. when we're recording this. Yeah. Someone was asking how my weekend was. I don't know, I watched like eight episodes of Couples Therapy on Showtime. It's the best show on television. Great. Dr. Orna is an oracle. Uh, it is, you know, just a do half hour docuseries of Couples mm -hmm. and Couples Therapy. She yeah. is, uh, I have no words. I want her to be my therapist, my mother, my sister, my best friend, Great. my everything. Oh man. Check I it out. get involved. As usual, I have nothing to report, but some TV I watched. Okay, but that's cool. speaking of TV, I'm going yes. to watch. There's a show coming out on May 31st on Fox, animated show called Housebroken that is about pets and therapy. Right up my alley. Created by this week's guest, Clea Duvall, along with Jennifer Crittenden and Gabrielle Allen. Definitely check that out. Very excited to talk to Clea all about that. 
And we should apologize in advance. All of us seem to be having a very noisy household today. So if yeah. you get some vacuuming from my house, if you get some uh, chainsaw sounds from Dave's house, just yeah. go, go for the ride with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's really, it's gonna be a 360 experience for you. It's gonna be immersive. Uh, enjoy it. Let's get right to it, Clay Duval. back with Clea Duval. Hi. Hello. Hi. What is that color behind you? Um, I think it's called Ashland Green or just Ashland. It's beautiful. Is the, the color. Okay. I think. Yeah. I'm shopping Thank for you. colors. That's gorgeous. Portola. There is a person that I... Portola. Portola. I love that. They have waterfalls. There's a person that I regularly have to Zoom with who has a beautiful like white study just full of books gorgeous like kind of library furniture behind her and I recently we were talking she was moving and it started and I realized that it was a fake background <laughs> I was like you're doing a fake background of like a, just a thing that looks like a nice room in a house like what's happening what is she hiding I'd love to know anyway but that's not a fake background no this is no real. that looks very real this is real. That looks very real. <laughs> how is your uh, how is your late stage pandemic? You know, it's kind of wild that it it feels like things are going back to normal adjacent. You know, mm-hmm. it's really and it felt it felt like it was full lockdown and now normal. It, it's yeah. it's very strange, but yeah we do seem to have been launched yeah. back into a year and a yeah. half ago. Yeah. It's, it's very, very strange. strange. Um, yeah. I was just, uh, I was just telling Matt, I went to the, uh, the vaccine speakeasy in Burbank. What? What's that? You, yeah. You show your, you show your card, you pay a membership free fee, you get a membership card and then you're just allowed inside. And then it's like, it's like a speakeasy. Like you can just like, you can, if, when you get up to go to the restroom, you don't have to put on a mask. Um, if you like see a friend there as I did, you can hug them. It was, it felt crazy. That is crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was good. And then like every five minutes, a new person in my group would be like, (laughs) like freak out. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's startling over and over. It is very strange. Yeah. Re-entry is going to be weird. uh, Have you, have you thrust yourself into social situations and found yourself like, how can I, can I still do this? It's funny because like when we were still locked down, I was like, I'm not doing anything for a year. I'm not going to a restaurant. I'm not going, you know, like I'm not going to be inside with people. I'm not going to, you know, I love escape rooms, which is an embarrassing, embarrassing thing to admit, but I love them so much. And I was like, I won't even do an escape room for a year. And then when I was half vaccinated, one of my friends wanted to do an escape room. And I was like, sure. I, it was like, what's surprising mm-hmm. to me is how willing I am to do things now. Now I'm fully vaccinated and I'm just like, sure, whatever. Like I went to a restaurant last weekend. I still sat outside, but that, I feel like I was really just performing caution at that point. Cause if they, if they wanted me to sit inside, I would have. Yeah. I've uh, done my first indoor restaurant. It's, it's, it's strange. Yeah. It's what strange. restaurant did you go to? It's normal. And then strange. Went to Din Tai Fung. Oh yeah. In Glendale. That's great. Delicious. So good. So Delicious. good. 
but yeah, but also very, very, yeah. very strange. I do think um, that if yeah. what, like when push comes to shove, being inside of a restaurant, I think I will, it will, I will find it strange. But mm -hmm. I, uh, have you done an, uh, an airplane? No, that, is, that seems that's a that's yeah. a hurdle. Even a movie theater, as like you know, movies are coming out that I want to see, and you know, I noticed that the that the Alamo is reopening, and thinking mm -hmm. about going to a movie that one still to me feels like a little tougher. Yeah. What was the last movie you saw in a theater? Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah which I'm so happy I saw in a theater. It was beautiful. Yeah. Mine was Cats. I'm not as, <laughs> I'm not as proud of that. I'm not as proud of Cats. And nice. I think it'll be very weird if my first one back is Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's a, that's a fun bookend if it works out that way. I think you should do it just for the story. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. What have you been watching or obsessed with? What's been kind of keeping you company during pandemic? Well, early pandemic, um, my partner and I started watching Survivor, which I have, had never seen before, but Mary Holland is obsessed with Survivor. She's seen every season and she had spent maybe two or three years trying to convince me to watch it. And then we finally did and then became obsessed. I think we watched like 20 seasons of Survivor in, um, yeah, this is, the, we have heard that answer a lot. Really? Survivor, Survivor is exploding during lockdown. Really? Uh, first timers, veterans, they're all coming back to Survivor. Um, yeah, it's, it's what? I don't, I don't know what it is about it, well, but somehow. In some way, those people are all quarantined. They're all like isolated. Right. And granted, right. they're with each other, and they are doing all these fun challenges, and they get to hang out with Jeff Probst. But um, right. I don't know, maybe that. It makes sense to me that you are a, an escape room person and would also take the Survivor. There's it seems like a strong overlap oh, yeah. there. Oh yeah. Um, what is it about the escape rooms that you, is it the puzzles? I love puzzles. I love problem solving. I love the the good ones really immerse you in a world. And I like that too, mm -hmm. just that, um, I don't know, it feels like um, escapism, mm -hmm. figuratively and literally, you know? Um, gotcha. But I also just love puzzles and games and- um, What's a good one in LA? Um, a really good one is Stash House. Um, another good one is Lab Rat. That's by this company called um, Hatch Escape Games. 60 uh -huh. Out Rooms are really good. I mean, what's embarrassing is how long I could answer this question. Um, Do it. 60 Out Rooms are good. That's the Maze Rooms are good. There are a lot of good. Uh -huh. I mean, there are so many. We've done, my partner and I have done every single escape room in the Los Angeles area. So now we branch out into like Long Beach and Santa Clarita and Anaheim and really just like, it's really um, embarrassing. No, that's not embarrassing at all. That is, I mean, honestly, you could do a lot worse. That's true. That's true. We don't drink yeah. or goes, do yeah. anything like that. So it's really our. Uh, that's your party. That's our party. Yeah. yeah, I get it. And watching Survivor, I mean, when I, my boyfriend's a Survivor person, I am not. But when I dip a toe in, I'm just like, oh, I could, could never do this. I'd 
die on day one, uh-huh. not for me. <laughs> but th- I wonder if you, as a, as a puzzle person, as an escape room person, but also seeing like a Mike White on Survivor mm-hmm. and going like, oh, you can be like a, like a public person and also do this and both things can be true. Do you feel like you could make it? How do you think you would do? I guess I should ask. I think, I think I could do well on Survivor. Um, I think I could, I think I could do it. I do think I could do it. Um, the, I'm not a great liar. So any kind of deception would be challenging for me, but I also don't know that you necessarily have to be that deceptive. Um, right. but it's easier. Like I have a group of friends and we play mafia together and they all know me so well that if I'm in the mafia, they immediately know. So I, but when I'm with strangers, I can get very far. So that in that, in those, I have been able to sing, like win games of mafia by myself in groups of strangers, which makes me think that I maybe would do very well on Survivor. When you play group, uh, when you play mafia, like with your partner, close friends, have, have you ever, has, this is, I'm asking because this has happened to me many times with my boyfriend, it has gotten so real in terms of accusing each other claiming that the other person is lying, that it's a little hard to like come out of it after the game is over. Have you ever had that experience? We, my partner and I early on, I have a tremendous amount of trust issues that I've actually like really come to terms with. We've gotten, it's gotten a lot better, but like very early in our relationship playing mafia, I was just like, I can't handle you lying to me about anything. Cause I were establishing trust and the idea that you could like, look, I, I just couldn't handle it. So I would just like wear her down, like quietly, like wear her down until she, I would basically just like have her tell me if she was, because I was like, I I would rather know than not know. And we, you know, now we have like a very strong, healthy relationship where we can, I can do the separation and it doesn't feel as uh, personal. So now it's fine. And I'm mainly just impressed at how well she can be in the mafia. Um, but mm. I am not good at it at all. And she knows the second, which I, I wish I could do better at, at um, staying in the mafia. Cause I do really like it. Oh, it's the best. We played at the beginning I... of quarantine, my friends who I play, who I, the group of people who I play with, we started a virtual mafia that would last for the entire week. So, and that got to be a little bit much. You're just like living in a constant state of who's lying to me, who's not talking to like texting with people all day long. It was, and then getting on Zoom at night to figure out like the mafia. It was, it consumed our lives. Oh, so these are over, these games will stretch out for more than like an hour. Yeah, they would start on a Monday oh, wow. and end on a Thursday night or sometimes Friday night. It was crazy, but we were also in quarantine. There was like nothing. And then we right. would like, it was kind of nice to get and comforting weirdly to get on Zoom with everybody at night and talk for a little bit and then play this game. But then people started getting their feelings hurt. And by people, I mainly mean myself where I was just like <laughs> people manipulating me and lying to me in a time where I was like, I just want to connect with people. And you're just talking to me because <laughs> you're trying to manipulate me. It was sensitive too sensitive pardon that me but how how do you play mafia 
Which I've never done it. Dave, oh my God. No, I, yeah. Matt, will you explain I, it? Explain. I, I, you'll, you'll do a much better job than I will, but it, it's, a, it's a group game that requires no, there's no, no, no board game, no anything. Uh-huh. Um, and everybody does have different rules. I will say, Clea, I learned, we have a Jason McAuliffe in common, mm. and I believe he taught me the game, and I think he has played with you. Yeah, I've played with Jason and many he's times. A stone cold killer. It's yeah. very good. Yeah, he's very good. Um, but it, God, how do you explain that? <laughs> it's everyone so far, in the I've game. No <laughs> everyone nothing. in the game has a different role. There, there are the townspeople who are the good guys, and the mafia who are the okay. bad guys. And okay. um, the 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 mafia is trying to kill the townspeople and the townspeople are trying to find out who's in the mafia. And the way it works is like, it, there's a daytime and a nighttime in the game. So in the night, everybody closes their eyes and there's a moderator who asks the mafia to open their eyes and then and the mafia does and they select someone in the game to kill. And then the mafia goes back to sleep and then there's also a detective who can ask every night one, one, if one person in the group is in the mafia, there's a doctor who can save people um, if the mafia has killed them. I'm doing a bad job, but then no, everybody, and then everybody wakes up and then you find out who the mafia killed the night before. And then that person leaves the game and then the, the remaining people have to decide, have to figure out who is in the mafia and then the group will land in the day the group lands on one person who everyone decides to vote on to to kill them or not and hopefully yeah. you want it to be a mafia person but then the if the and Obviously. if the group decides to kill that person that person dies and then they have to say if they were a townsperson or a mafia so gotcha and you just go through the those cycles until there's either there until all the mafia are dead or there are um, not enough townspeople to defeat the mafia. Okay, it sounds savage. It Excellent is. summation. Was trying- yeah, because and so much of the, the meat of the game is like accusing your loved ones that mm-hmm. you're playing with, you know, either trying to frame them because you are the mafia and you want them to, or uh, defending yourself when you are accused. So it can be a real thrill ride. It is. But with- also, it sounds like it deals in moral absolutes. Like, can can a mafia person grow a conscience <laughs> and try to be a townsperson? Can a townsperson uh, explore their dark side? Or is it just pure good versus evil? It's pretty much pure good versus evil. Mm. And then, okay. I mean, and depending on who you play with, different people have different rules and different characters. Yeah. Like, so there are okay. some char- there were characters we were playing with who could turn into mafia. Okay. It, we got very involved in in our quarantine mafias with a lot of a yeah. lot of crazy characters. It was really fun, really stressful. I couldn't handle it after a certain point, and I quit playing. I <laughs> love the idea of mafia bedtime of just that everyone at the same time being like, "Let's put on our PJs yeah. and go to sleep for the mafia." <laughs> yeah. Let's get our, let's get a good solid eight hours. It makes the game wake up and do some evil. Changing in and out of the pajamas makes the game take forever. Okay, that's true. That's true. Yeah, so it would have to be imaginary. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Never done it, but I'm in. Um, oh, in Survivor, 
have you gotten to the Lisa, uh, Lisa Welch yes. years? Yes, I did. Okay. I sought that one out because I was a huge mm -hmm. Facts of Life fan as a kid. Okay. Um, okay. Have you, have you watched that season? I never have. Okay. No. Have you watched Survivor um, at all? No. Okay. No, never have. What I did do, however, is follow uh, Lisa Welchel's blog for years and years. And what, what ever, kind of things did you see on there? Hoo-wee. Um, a lot of real, uh, real religious like parenting mm -hmm. tips. Uh, a wild story of going on a bike ride, um, like, a, like a group bike ride around New England, I want to say, with her mother. But her mother didn't like wasn't good at riding bikes and held the entire group back, and and they they stopped at a at a bed and breakfast or or an inn for for what must have been pronounced Chilean sea bass, uh -huh. and her mother got the fish and was like waiting on the bowl of chili to go with the fish oh. because she thought that it was chili, chili and sea bass. bass. Uh -huh. There's uh. just a lot of stuff like that where it's like, <laughs> Lisa, you might be just ruining everyone else's vacation with your antics. So that that's my that's my connection with her. But um, how is she on the show? You know, I started out really rooting for her and really loving her and really having a lot of um, compassion for her because she really struggled in the beginning but then from what I can recall she really she like latched on to someone or she uh, went got into a, an alliance with someone who played the game in a very dirty way that I didn't like and I can't remember the mm -hmm. details because I've watched a lot of other survivors since then so I don't really remember but I remember at a certain point not liking the way she was playing the game and maybe it was that she wasn't really playing it for herself and she was just maybe going along with the person who I didn't respect their gameplay. So then by the end of it, I was like, get out of here. Yeah. yeah. She's not someone we want to play mafia with. No, she's not. Mafia, line, which is heartbreaking for me because I really wanted, I wanted her to go all the way. I wanted to want her to go all the way. Right, right. Because of my yeah, you want life so Lisa Welchel. Do you, um, are you an Edna's Edibles? Are you an over our heads when it comes to facts of life? Uh, I think. A Cloris Leachman years? I mean, I love Cloris Leachman. I, sure. you know, I haven't watched it that much as an adult, but I think I really, you know, because I was a child of the 80s and I was watching the over our heads years lot like as it was happening you know so it was very exciting to me and very new and very cool and like all the you know I was really into the over our head store um and even yeah. tried to make my own over our head store at my school um was not successful because kids oh. don't have money but I didn't realize that then it's true but I like saved all my money it's to true. buy all this product and oh. brought it to school to sell it and then nobody would it, fa oh, it was like I a, failed. Like um, inflatable pink flamingo. Yeah, I think I pencil. had like a tiny inflatable one because obviously I didn't have. A, I had to be able to carry it in my backpack, so I had to be smart about my what my inventory was. But um, but I do I do think like some of the writing in the Edna's Edibles seasons were really like I still think about some of the jokes and some of the episodes. Like on a regular basis. 
It was a great show. It was a great show. Those girls were so I mean, good. Mindy Cohen was so funny. I feel like she I'm had so gifted. much to do with my sense of humor, like building my sense of humor. Absolutely. Iconic. Yeah. And so natural. Yeah. It was great. It's actually shocking now that I, I'm sure that they've explored a reboot or there's the talk of a reboot, but it is, that's just now occurring to me, like, where is it? Why have they done it? Maybe yeah. I need to do it. Maybe I should make I the Facts of Life reboot. It, maybe, Clea, maybe Honestly, that's why you're here. Yeah. Maybe that's why we brought you yeah. here. The three um, of us are going to break the story yeah. for the, we're going to co-create the Facts of Life reboot. I'm great. Absolutely ready. All in. Um, and when the show ended, they did set themselves up for a next generation because uh, Blair bought the school. Because you know how oh, you'll yeah. just buy a school. Yeah, sure. I have three or four and, schools uh, that I've purchased. Yeah. Well, they're good investments. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great they're always going to need Yeah, them. they're always going to be kids. So yeah. we're going to start out, they gotta out get not knowing anything. Yeah, got to teach them stuff. Got to teach them everything. Got to teach them stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they brought in a whole bunch of new kids, including uh, Seth Green. What? I want to say Juliette Lewis. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't it didn't go. But yeah, they're they're ready. Um, Mindy Cohen has a podcast, it. by the way. What? Mindy Cohen has a podcast. Mondays with Mindy. She does. I didn't know that. She, she does. Yep. When does it come oh, out? Yeah. Uh, Mondays. Sorry, that was not Mondays. Not a good joke. No, I was actually <laughs> was like, yeah. When does it come out? <laughs> yeah, Mondays. <laughs> Monday. She's um, she is great, and just discovered at school. Like the the producers went to a school to like take notes on how a school works. That's crazy. And see if they might want to someday buy it. And she was there, and they were just like, "We like her. Let's build. Let's make a character." That's that her. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Just a natural. Very crazy. This anecdote you mentioned about about being in school made me wonder who who were you in like middle school and high school? What was your you know, sort of social scene and what were you up to? I mean, in middle school, I kind of got along with everybody. Um, I didn't go to a very big school and everybody got along and we, but, and we didn't have like, we didn't have jocks. We didn't have, we didn't have any sports teams or anything like that. So it wasn't that you know, that kind of culture. Mm. Although I don't know if that's a normal thing in middle school. Um, and then in high school, I went to LOXA, which is the LA County High School for the Arts. And so again, it was just not that typical high school thing that you see in movies with like the football player and the cheerleader, like the coolest girl in all our school was like, wore like Dickies and had dyed black hair and a nose ring. You know, that was like, that's what the popular kids were like at my school. So, um, and in that, in that, in the beginning of being at that school, I was like very shy. I spent a lot of time by myself, like would like eat lunch alone behind the school, like smoking cigarettes alone. And then slowly I started to make friends there. And then, um, it was a similar thing where I kind of got along with everybody, but I wasn't like, you know, one of the popular, like wildly popular, mm -hmm. but not, um, didn't really like have a terrible time. Yeah. What was the soundtrack of lunch alone with cigarettes? <laughs> <in the school? laughs> um, 
I, I was listening to like a lot of uh, PJ Harvey and Pixies oh, and yeah. um, The Cure. And then also like, and then a little like, and then also then that was like in the beginning of that. And then around like 15, 16, that I got into more like, um, like Bikini Kill and like Hole and um, L7 and that kind of, that kind of stuff. What a moment. That all tracks. What yeah. a moment. <laughs> Um, yeah, all the like Riot Girl stuff was definitely like, I was very into that. Nice. You said the word cheerleader a moment ago, and I would be remit. We would be canceled if I did not ask <laughs> you about, um, but I'm a cheerleader because it is queer canon. And I know you've talked about this endlessly, but you were, I think, 21 at the time and, and in the closet while making this extremely queer movie. Mm -hmm. um, so what was going through your mind at the time? What was that experience like um, for you, you know, given where you were in your life? I mean, making the movie was great. I mean, it was really fun. Um, yeah, the actual making of the movie was great. And I didn't really think about, and I, I mean, I was gay and my girlfriend was, would visit me on set and everybody knew I was gay. Um, like the making of the movie felt very protected, protected. But then once the, it was once we started going to festivals and promoting the movie, that's when, um, that's when the sort of fear kicked in. And then I was like, oh no, what did I do? Like, why did I do this? I really just like opened myself up for um, people to ask me anything they want. Um, so that was very scary. But I mean, that I mean, that's always, that's always my experience when I'm making something. It's like, I forget that other people are gonna watch it because it's it's the experience of making something that I love and less about what happens to it after it's made and giving it away, you know, once you give it away, it's just not really yours anymore. And so it was, you know, I really loved being able to make a movie and bring so much of myself into it because I had never really seen a, a gay character like me in a movie before um they all kind of felt like the same kind of like the idea of what a young gay woman is like and not really like the rea rea the reality that i could connect with um so it was really cool i, I really enjoyed making it yeah. in between making it and then and coming out publicly around 2016 ish there's obviously the in, internal struggles that we all go through mm -hmm. with, with, with that kind of decision, but were there also a lot of external pressures because you were out in your personal life, were there people in positions of power who were pressuring you to stay in, you know, for career purposes? I mean, it was, there were, there was, it was at the time, just the under, there was never even really a conversation. It was just assumed you're going to be in the closet. You know, it was, there was, I remember having one experience where um, I was, I got photographed somewhere with my girlfriend. It was, I was doing an interview with someone and then the, the person who I was in, who was interviewing me 
knew my girlfriend was there and was like, oh, let me just get a picture with you guys. And I, you know, it was that sort of like, you know, I was not ready for that. So I let her take the picture and someone that I was working with at the time freaked out and was like, you delete that picture, you know, this is not happening. And then she pulled me aside and she was like, don't ever do that again. And I was like, okay, sorry. Um, but that was the, the most sort of overt way that anyone ever told me to not, you know, to not be public about anything, you know, yeah. like it was- How did that, how did that feel in the moment? I mean, I felt like a kid, you know, like a little kid who had done yeah. something bad and felt, you know, very stressed out and had a lot of anxiety for the rest. It was, I was at a film festival and it was for the rest of the festival. I was just like, oh no. And is everyone going to try? And like, cause the, I mean, the, the, the reporter was definitely trying to out me. Like it was very, you know, even in the questions she was asking. And then I, I would see her again throughout the course of this festival. And she was really trying to like out me, which is also like such a terrible feeling because it does feel like someone knows something about you that is like that quote unquote bad and they're trying to expose you, you know, cause, and then that like trying to expose you makes you feel like ultimately the thing that you're doing is negative, you know? So there was like, even though, like, what do you gain from outing someone like that? It's yeah. So you've exposed them and now what you get a prize or they get punished or they get found out. It was, it's just the whole concept of outing people I find so um, harmful because it is like, you know, A, it's like nobody's, you know, nobody should do that to anybody. It's the, you know, it's the individual's right to come out in whatever, or not come out in whatever way they want to. And then, I don't know, I really just got off. I lost my train of thought. Not at all. But that I, it is like well, I, the, that, that you need to expose someone. It's like, you know, like Harvey Weinstein was exposed because he was doing some, you know, he was doing something that is actually terrible, but exposing someone for being gay is ultimately like saying that the thing, like they're, you know, the, you know, who they are is something bad, right? you know? Yeah. This is what it feels like. And at the time yeah. it may have been received that way by 100%, 100%. You know, part of the population and by the media and whatever, but I'm curious now looking back at like that person who was like, don't ever do that again. And you delete the picture. Do you have like compassion for them for trying to protect you in their own messed up way? Yeah, or is it, it was that a hundred percent. It's like that fear of that person was scared for me, even though it's, you know, that person was trying to protect me in their way, you know, and even though it's misguided and there was nothing wrong with me, it was a time where it did have a negative impact on your career. You know, it did matter. I had, you know, I remember working with a director who was like all about me when we were working and like loved me so much. And then at a certain point, my girlfriend came to visit and I brought her onto set and he was like, so like, he never treated me the same again you know, and it was such a terrible feeling and who knows what was behind that, but it was, it felt really bad, you know, and now I think it's like, yeah. you know, I don't know. I do think things have gotten better for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
that in, there in are still term. have a long way to go. But, yeah, but, yeah. But that director, even if he was a homophobic monster, would it probably ha at least have the like social savvy to keep it to himself? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they were making incremental progress. I get, but um, so then in 2016-ish, what were the factors that made you? you know, know that you were ready to, to go for it? I mean, it started kind of sooner than that when I was writing, when I started writing my first movie, um, The Intervention, and I knew I wanted to write a part for myself. And when I was thinking about that character and what that would be, my first thought was like, oh, she should have like a boyfriend. And then I was like, why? Why are, why are you doing that? You're writing a part for yourself and you're writing it as a straight person why you know at, also who cares it doesn't matter just like play a part who's like a regular person who you want to who you feel comfortable playing something that you don't really get to do just do that and so i you know and then i just started writing that part as a gay part or a, a gay character and that was really like the my decision to just like stop pretending or trying to like fool people also it's not like I was doing a great job fooling anybody you know um so yeah it was just that moment of like I don't need to do this anymore were you surprised by the reception and and how accepting people were no I mean I didn't really think about it that much really like I I think because at that point I had been you know I had been so out in my life and like not pretending in you know even in private which I was still even though I was like out in my private life there were still certain instances where I wasn't you know like I would go on sets and I would just sort of not talk about personal life or my, or not talk about my personal life or use like ambiguous pronouns or whatever when talking about people I was dating. But then, I don't know, I felt, I felt so out at that point that it didn't, like, it was I think what was surprising to me, yeah, what was surprising to me was like, oh, right, other people don't know. It's like not realizing right. that like, speak speaking publicly and not trying to be cagey about pronouns about is like you know something that other people were not used to like i think it was a better a bigger deal on like to the to the outside world than it was to me right yeah and it's you know i mean god this it, it's and this is just a few years ago that you're talking about yeah. you know all of these things and it just feels already like like it's from you know, some old Russian novel yeah. or something, yeah. you know, the world has, I mean, it, it is, we are not there, but we're so much further than we yeah. were. And, yeah. and, you know, for people to want to out you, like the, the, the subtext, as you were saying, is that you're like being deceptive, yeah. like willingly being deceptive or mm -hmm. something. And you're not, you're just sort of, you know, yeah. you're doing what you feel is safe for you in the moment, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that brings us to um, Happiest Season, mm -hmm. which we love, and another queer canon film. And I'm sure most people listening have seen it, but Mackenzie Davis's character 
coming home for Christmas. Uh, her girlfriend is Kristen Stewart, and uh, she's, you know, sort of doing the thing where she is telling her family that this is her roommate. And um, it's a Christmas classic. And if you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. Um, but can you talk about what parts of that were autobiographical or vaguely autobiographical? Yeah, I mean, I, I've gone home with people as the friend several times and had people come places with me as the friend. I think it is, I think it is a very um, relatable gay experience that, you know, most of us go through is, is that sort of um, concealing the true nature of a relationship. Um, so that, you know, I pulled from that. I also, you know, I've spent the majority of my Christmases with other people's families, which I think is its, its own <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. very specific experience, kind of getting thrown into the drama and the dynamics of other people's families is um, always a, a very unique experience. Um, and really just the sort of like being really honest about the you know how hard it is to come out you know sometimes and the and the the ways that you know like i didn't always behave that well and you know treat people the way that i wished that i had treated them because i was so afraid of what would happen you know and what people would think and how people would react and um So yeah, pulling a lot from that, but then also pulling from having, you know, compassion for the experience and allowing people the space to come out in the way that is right for them, you know, and not not having no judgment, um, no judgment of that process, you know, because it can look so many different ways and um, it is so unique to every individual. That is telling because when you're watching the movie, I think your instinct is to judge Mackenzie yeah. Davis and her family and yeah. be like, she's such a coward and what just come out yeah. already and, you know, just date Aubrey Plaza already. Yeah. But then <laughs> you do come around to having real compassion for her yeah. and for her, her whole family. And um, yeah, you do, you do go on that whole ride, yeah. which is great. I also wanted to have that, you know, like I have so many incredible friends who are, um, also gay and female friends, like gay female friends who I have such like intimate relationships with them, but I don't need, like, we don't need to turn that into a sexual relationship. And I think so often, you know, and it's probably because you won't, you, if there are, you probably, you usually only get like two gay people in a movie. So you're like, well, they have to be together, you know, but to be able to show that kind of like intimacy between lesbians that doesn't have to like evolve into, you know, the going straight to the U-Haul store, you know, it was really right. important to me, even though I know it was very upsetting for some people that Kristen Stewart did not end up with Aubrey Plaza. Well, life is we love a love triangle. Yeah. Also, it's uh, as a Mary Holland vehicle. Oh, yeah. It is. Out. I mean, she's oh, it's unmatched. Yeah. She is uh, just divine. Yeah. So, so, so funny. She's so fun. They all are. Yeah. I went to college with Burl Mosley, oh, and nice. he is a human angel. Yeah. Uh, I love him. He plays Allison Bree's husband, and 
he's the best. And is there anything you, I know a sequel is in the works. I don't know. Is there anything you can no, no, say about it? There's not that there's not um but it i mean it is something that like i do like to think about and it's something that i would love to do but we're not we don't we're not doing that at this time oh uh, yeah. got it got it i'm i heard a false rumor i apologize the rumor tell us about uh, housebroken what oh housebroken tell us about housebroken um it is uh an animated show that i created with two of the women from beep um uh-huh. it's about uh a poodle played by lisa kudrow who runs group therapy for neighborhood animals while their owners are away at work and it's sort of like a look at um the they sort of they deal with these like human issues through these animals um and uh it's very silly and very fun and my first time doing animation which i love can you tell us yeah what what every animal that is in your house and in my house there are no details please yes um well we only have two cats they're pilot and twig um they are litter mates brother and sister i'm completely obsessed with them and can talk about them all day and talk to them all day and sing them a lot of songs i know all their habits um, I'm really, really into our cats in a way that my partner, I think, is irritated by. <clears throat> Are they represented in the show? No. I mean, they must be a big source of inspiration. They're not. No. And I feel really, but like really betrayed because the other, the women who I created the show with have their dogs are both all represented in the show. But there's a real bias against the cats is what I've noticed because all of our writers have uh, um, dogs. Either have, yeah. They, they do all have pets and they're all dogs. So there's a real, wow. I'm a real minority as a cat person. And you're even voicing a corgi in yeah. this, right? You're not even, oh, well. I know. In f- future seasons, the cats will have they will day. They will reign. Yeah. Season two. Season two, yeah. It's only fair. Yeah. You, uh, you have mentioned a partner. Mm-hmm. How, how long have you been together? Um, we've been together for almost nine years and we've been married for three and a half years I think yeah thank you did it feel different when you were officially married it did it really did um I never want really wanted to get married um but then at a certain point I did really want to marry Mia as her name then I, then I really did want to marry her. And at first I was really, once we got married, I was like, what did I do? This was stupid. Everything was great. Why did I do this? And then after like a month of like really settling into it and allowing myself to like, just be, it was really allowing myself to be loved by someone and like fully accepted by someone. Then I really, now I really love it. I love being married. I think it's so great. Obviously, only in, in so much as you're comfortable talking about it. But what was your approach to wedding? Big, small, we, traditional. We eloped. Um, we eloped, and then a year later, we had a big party and invited all our friends. With vows, or just it's just party time, and there's some just party. And- there were there was a party. People did toasts, but we did our our, our that part by ourselves. 
Um, well, we're so excited to watch Housebroken on May 31st on mm -hmm. Fox. We're so mm -hmm. excited to watch the Facts of Life reboot that you're going to create. <laughs> no, uh, that we are going to create. Yeah, oh, no, right. no, this is this is awesome. I'm going to back out now. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I, I just want it. I just want it to happen. I, I, you know, I'll help as much as I can. <laughs> I, I, um, I will. I'll, I'll hit Mindy up on Instagram today. Excellent, excellent. She's in. I'm just <laughs> speaking for her now. Great, but I'm pretty sure she's Great. in. So we're halfway there. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, Clay, thank, thank you so much. Thank for you doing guys. This. We're big fans, and it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Really nice talking to you. Have a great day.